Hey, kiddos. Welcome to Dad Feelings, the podcast about fictional father figures and real-life dads with real feelings. Joining me this week for a very special holiday episode of the show is Daniel Kibblesmith, who is a writer for The Late Show with Stephen Colbert, a comics writer, and relevant to our subject today is the author of a new picture book called Santa's Husband. Thank you for joining us, Daniel. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Now, this book has been, well, I, I think the first time I heard about it was months ago when you tweeted, and I don't have the exact tweet on hand, but it was something like, if we ever have kids, I'm going to tell my kids that Santa is black and has a husband. Yeah, that was basically that was basically it. Um, that was that predates the book. That Twitter joke yeah, uh, yeah. is the the seed uh, of the book. Um, it was right uh, around the time that uh, the Mall of America had hired uh, a black Santa, and there was all of this. Uh, you know, we felt very disproportionate outrage, uh, mostly in conservative media, about um, you know how how. Uh, blasphemous or sacrilegious doesn't really seem like the right word because he's not quite a religious <laughs> figure. He's, he's really become more of like a, like a pop culture figure who is uh, tied to a religious holiday. Uh, so between that and the sort of like still opened wound of uh, Megan Kelly's infamous Santa is white comments um, and the, the general, you know, war on Christmas stuff that uh, crops up seasonally every year, I think they're just perpetually, uh, at war with Starbucks now. Mm-hmm. Um, we just, at the time we'd, we'd had enough. And, uh, my, my now wife, uh, Jennifer Wright, uh, and I made a Twitter joke that said, uh, look, if, if we have a child, they're only going to know about black Santa. And if they see a white Santa at the mall, we'll just explain that that's Santa's husband. Because it struck us as inevitable that you would you would see white Santas, um, but uh, that was just you know our way of, of poking fun and clearing the air and and kind of uh, you know what 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 jokes do hopefully is just saying something true uh, in a in a catchy way. So uh, from there, an illustrator friend of ours, uh, Ashley Quatch, AP Quatch, uh, said, "Boom, new children's book," and uh, came up with some concept art like within the hour. Wow. Uh, so the the whole thing the whole thing happened just really really organically just from uh you know friends uh friends and loved ones uh <laughs> kind of uh feeling like feeling like everybody deserves christmas that christmas is not under attack everybody is just celebrating it in their own fashion that's a really sweet story i was going to ask how this went from from tweet to book but that's <laughs> that's like kind of incredible that it came together so quickly. Yeah, there's not a lot of intermediate uh, steps. Um, we moved really quickly because uh, it's a holiday book, obviously. So mm-hmm. it was either everybody kind of knuckle down and make it happen for holidays 2017 or, uh, you know, quietly, quietly sit on it uh, and uh, try to pitch it for, for 2018. But um, fortunately, uh, you know, I, my wife writes books and, and I've co-written a humor book in the past and uh, we had uh, enough. We have an agent and enough infrastructure to say, like, "Hey, we we just stumbled onto this thing, uh, but but we we think it's really cool and really funny. And do you think there's a book in this?" And we're very fortunate that enough people said yes uh, that that we were able to make it a reality. And now the the feedback has just been overwhelmingly positive. That's incredible. Um, now you sort of mentioned that the idea of a black Santa. 
agitates some people. And to me, that's really interesting. And especially the idea of a black gay Santa really agitates people as well. And um, because you mentioned that it's not sacrilegious per se, because Santa isn't exactly a religious figure. Um, And to me, Santa has kind of become one of those symbols of tradition that is actually relatively new and like has nothing to do with um, with its origins. So how much do you know about sort of the the background of that character? So I know, uh, you know, I know all the, the pop culture stuff from from growing up celebrating uh, Christmases. Uh, I mean, that's one of the one of the ways that I respond to any criticism about this is that I'm in 34 years old this year, um, celebrated 34 Christmases. Um, but uh, in terms of his historical origins, that was something that we only started going back to look at uh, in order to anticipate needing to settle debates. <laughs> uh, so, uh, my wife knows a little more than I do because she wrote about Mrs. Claus, uh, for unrelated, unrelated reasons. She wrote about Mrs. Claus's origins as also like a pretty recent figure, like a 1900s yes. creation, uh, and, uh, who I, I guess, uh, at least in some iterations was like closely tied to the suffragette movement. Uh, and was created as uh, created or or at least uh, used or simultaneously created as a mascot for women's suffrage and to convey the idea of equality in the Santa Claus home, uh, which I think <laughs> is something that our book is absolutely striving for. So in a lot of ways, uh, we have the same politics uh, as uh, I think uh, are baked into the origins of Mrs. Claus. It's just that ours reflects uh, you know, different different demographics and identities, and uh, and a story that's uh, compelling and uh, for some reason still untold in 2017. <laughs> yeah. Do you know the? Yeah, you you mentioned 1900s. It's it's actually not until the 1950s that Mrs. Claus is really solidified as a character. In 1956, there's a popular song about her, and then in 1963, there's a book called How Mrs. Santa Claus Saved Christmas. So the, I didn't realize that is incredibly recent. We're looking at like it's 60, so 70 recent. years. Yeah. <laughs> um, and the, Santa Claus actually is a really interesting cultural figure, I think, and is sort of this fatherly figure. Um, obviously, in England, he's known as Father Christmas, but that character was originally distinct. Um, so sort of in one of those, you know, manifestations of American Anglo sort of uh, cross-cultural exchange, Father Christmas has sort of merged with Santa Claus at this point. But originally, he Father Christmas is just the personification of Christmas. Um, like, he is hundreds and hundreds of years old. And then in the, you know, after the English Civil War, um, they bring him back because they actually, I don't know, do you know that they abolished Christmas briefly? No, no, I had no idea. Or maybe tried to. It was it was because Christmas was seen as a papist holiday. So I see. the royalists bring back Father Christmas as the symbol of the good old days. And this is like Where's after that movie. That's amazing. It's incredible, right? This is after the English Civil War. So we talk about, you know, people thinking about the 1950s or whatever as the good old days. Um, some people. But th- we're talking about now, like in England, after the Civil War, people doing this. And then, you know, he doesn't have any connection to gift giving or children until the Victorian era. So until the 1800s, Father Christmas is just this guy, this old guy who's just really about like adults having a good cheerful time on christmas 
which is wild to me. I had no idea about this. He's like the he's like the Captain Morgan mascot or something. He absolutely it's, is. <laughs> it's just a bearded man who shows up to grown up parties. Exactly, and um, and then in you know uh, in the Victorian era, he sort of comes to be associated with gift giving because uh, the American Santa Claus myth comes to the UK in the fifties. And then, you know, by the 20th century, the distinctions between those two characters are basically gone, which I thought was really fascinating. And do you know about this book, The Life and Adventures of Santa Claus? Yes, this is the one <laughs> by uh, the Wizard of Oz creator. It is, Elfron Where Bons. Santa is, that's right, he's, he's, um, I haven't read all of it, but he's like born of fairy folk and mm-hmm. raised on lion's milk. <laughs> and if I recall, he invents toys, which I think is actually a pretty amazing idea. He does. I think that's incredible that he makes the first toy, that they don't have like physical representations of animals. Uh, and he creates the first one, and it's for a child. It's incredible. Um, if anyone has seen, you know, there's that really popular um, movie, Santa Claus is Coming to Town. Have You've seen that, right? Right, that's one of the Rankin Bass. Yes, uh, yes. like claymation style. Yes, I'm yes. a fan of those. Um, so that is a pretty interesting like mythos of Santa Claus. There's like this old man winter. There's this like tyrannical town that hates fun. This book is buck wild compared to that. This book makes that look like just like normal everyday stuff because. Like in this book, there are, you mentioned that he comes from fairies. There are immortals who, when Santa is about to die, decide to make him immortal immediately before he passes away. (laughs) It's so, it's very like, it's very Silmarillion. It's like you took Santa Claus uh, as he was shaped by um, the, I mean, the the history that that you just said, but but also the, the pop culture. Uh, work that had been done on him at that point and tried to reverse engineer it into something that worked as like capital F fantasy. It's really weird. It's super weird. I would highly recommend checking out the, uh, the Wikipedia article and actually, uh, Reagan Bass made a, a stop motion animation version of this book as well. They did. They did. There's that one. And there's also a 2D animated one um, that I saw just on Cartoon Network in the middle of the day, like years ago. But the Rankin-Bass one I've seen more recently. And it has um, like this council of council of elders, like this mm-hmm. pantheon. <laughs> it opens with this. It opens with this pantheon. I, I think ultimately the people who grant Santa immortality. And it, yeah, the whole it's 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 quasi sainthood, but it's yeah. definitely elves and fairies uh who are who are uh anointing him as one of their own like that this man uh or you know uh, this this non-immortal uh did such good work in his life for children that he's officially santa claus it's a big supporting cast which i think historically santa claus does not really have Uh, people have tried uh myself now included (laughs) Uh, and it's 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 hard to get stuff to stick it is. The only things that really have stuck, I think, are Mrs. Claus, uh, Reindeer, and then Rudolph are sort of the main additions, and elves, I guess, as well. Yeah, and Rudolph is another one that is a like a like a department store mascot yes. from the thirties. Um, like uh just yet another example of these things not really being carved in stone, being more um 
this like very American, very kind of pop culture driven, very kind of, uh, you know, capitalist Christmas driven where, uh, you know, if you wanted to get a little cynical about it, you could say this is the time of year when we religiously spend a lot of things. Sure. Uh, so it, it all kind of, it all kind of makes sense when you grow up with it, that like stores would drive Christmas and that they would drive Santa Claus lore or, you know, that Coca-Cola would, uh, in one of the ballsiest moves in the history of advertising, decide that Coke was Santa's favorite beverage (laughs) and America would totally sign off on that. Yeah. So it it gives us a lot of, (laughs) it gives us a lot of leverage whenever anybody says that we're doing something immoral because there's no way that we will ever brush up against something as dubious as Coca-Cola saying, uh, hey, kids, Santa drinks almost nothing but Coca-Cola. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there is strong precedent. And it's really interesting to me with the the ways that things that are so recent get really set into stone very quickly for some people to the point that any alteration to those things um even if it's just something really new or to something that really doesn't serve its purpose anymore, it's perceived as like a threat or an attack. Yeah, I think that's I think that's true just as a baseline. I mean, without mm-hmm. uh, even even before you get to making Santa Claus black or Santa Claus gay, which I, I think is uh, obviously provocative in its own way, I think any change is regarded with a lot of suspicion because um, I, I think these things feel more traditional uh and uh you know evergreen and unchanging than than they really are i think it's a lot of little little tweaks every year um another example that i bring up a lot is uh, elf on the shelf um Mm -hmm. which is there are now kids uh who have been doing elf on the shelf their entire life because i think it started around like 2004 something like that wow uh, and it's, it really, it really clicked, um, because it makes a lot of sense. I think it, it kind of goes with the, it goes with the ebbs and flows of the current sort of, uh, mythology and, and rituals where Santa Claus has helpers and there's kind of like an accounting down quality or an advent calendar quality where the elf is watching you every day. Um, I think it's really elegant. Uh, and, and I think that's one of the reasons that it sort of feels older than it is because it really goes with how we you know feel and behave around christmas but there are kids who are now too old for their elf on the shelf and they've never known (laughs) christmas without one can i tell you something which is that i still don't know what that is but i when i when i went to look it up (laughs) here is what google gave me it gave me okay it said fiction books elf on the shelf and then a christmas carol and then 1984 and then the handmaid's tale and then dune Sure. Yeah, that's the that's the canon. Uh, is that that's not influenced by your own browsing? Maybe they, they see those as all going be, together. But it's like under that weird sidebar <laughs> where it shows you like books you can buy. Maybe I don't know. Weird. I mean, I've heard the nineteen eighty four comparison. So it's an elf who watches you. Yeah, maybe they're getting that through like satirical writing about it. So let let me explain to people who who were born after two thousand five. Uh, I'm sorry. Before, before, <laughs> well, <laughs> All before of our 2005. Extremely young pod, uh, podcast listeners. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Listen, listen up, tweens. Uh, <laughs> so, 
uh, Elf on the Shelf is this uh, book and companion doll. And um, the it's this kind of lanky, rag doll, boyish-looking elf. And I think they might make a girl one now uh, who uh, sits on like a shelf in your house. And the idea is that they are um, watching you the watching the kids uh, and reporting back to Santa Claus, whether you've been good or bad that month. And uh, one of the reasons I think it got successful, uh, and this is me speculating a little bit, was that it also coincided a lot with um, uh, crafting on the internet and the sort mm-hmm. of the boom of Pinterest uh, and parents like sharing interesting things that they were doing in terms of decorating and dioramas and stuff. So one of the things uh, the people who love Elf on the Shelf do is they put him in interesting scenarios. So when the kids come down uh, in the morning uh, every you know every day that month, they say see like what the elf has gotten up to. So like the elf is like next to the cookie jar, and there's like a half-eaten cookie next to the elf. Uh, so you kind of have that that like a little taste of Christmas morning uh, every day for a month, um, which I think is I mean. I don't know if I would do it with my kids. It sounds like a lot of work, but uh, <laughs> I think it's, I think it's very, very sweet and very brilliant. And also if you, uh, you know, are somebody who wants to uh, create a small uh, empire of uh, books and merchandise, uh, also uh, a very, very happy, happy accident or, or, you know, best case scenario that you've created this thing that's very ritualistic and um, parents are kind of like, trading ideas and competing with each other the same way they would with like the decorations on the outside of their house, uh, or the ugly sweater photo. Uh, it's the kind of thing that you get to inject some creativity to and share online. And then people, you know, like ourselves who are not really familiar with this phenomenon don't know that there's this, uh, elf on the shelf tradition that's out there that lots and lots of homes are doing. And it's from the two thousands. Wow. I thought it was like two years old. Like, that's wild. Oh, I thought it was like 70 years old. (laughs) The fact that it felt so it it felt so uh, appropriate to to everything else, you know, surrounding it uh, that I thought for sure this was some ancient, uh, you know, uh, uh, like northern European tradition or something. Um, but it just it just uh, is is writers. Uh, It's just some people who wrote a book. Because uh, it was something that they did in their own home, it was their personal tradition. Um, so, in, in some ways, that was a big inspiration to us because we wanted to create something that could be a a personal uh, tradition for people who didn't necessarily see themselves uh, represented uh, in a lot of Christmas pop culture, uh, mm. or just uh, uh, showcase uh, the way other families might do Christmas, uh, even if you do do an extremely traditional, you know white Santa, Mrs. Claus, mom and dad household, uh, you still might be parents who want your kid to uh, be flexible in the way that they see the world. Yeah. And I think that's that's really cool because I feel like this is, you know, it's a book that starts off as like a joke tweet. um, And I feel like it's the kind of thing that in the wrong hands could be done as just like solely provocative or solely like to sort of like, uh, you know, trade on the predictable sort of backlash that people might have against it but it really does feel to me like this very like generous kind of caring book of like like the illustrations are gorgeous and so warm and bright and it's just like oh this is just a normal thing and like the only reason that anyone would think that it's you know a joke or whatever is because of 
all of these forces that are saying it's not normal. Yeah, I, honestly, that that means that means a lot to hear uh, because it's something that we talked about a lot um, beforehand. It's something that we've talked a lot about since. Is that this is this book is not a throwaway joke to uh, provoke people. It's not purely bait uh, for people who who uh, won't like it. Uh, we wanted to put like a net positive into the world. Um, the goal was always uh, to make more people happy uh, than angry. We definitely understood that some of the momentum in terms of getting something like this published um, would be that we were uh, consciously courting controversy mm-hmm. with it, but we didn't want it to uh, be sort of a, a knee-jerk reaction to another knee-jerk reaction uh, it was important to us that the thing stand on its own uh, and be very whole and um, uh, made with made with care and uh, appreciated the same way. I truly don't know. I mean, apolitically, I don't know how you could look at uh, Ashley's illustrations and not just fall totally in love yeah. um, with this uh, this couple and their relationship and their world. Uh, she puts so much uh, expressiveness into them. Um, it feels like, uh, I don't know, it feels like uh, an animation style or something uh, that uh, I would swear there was more of it. I would swear that this was her like 30th book or something because uh, it feels very, very consistently uh, like a clear visual voice. Um, very, very, very proud and excited to be working with her. Yeah. I mean, like I said, it's a beautiful book um, and something that I hadn't really thought about until I was doing the research for this episode was the idea of of santa as like this like fatherly figure who is sort of a beneficent kind of positive model um actually if you go to the wikipedia page for santa there's like this guy who had played santa at some point and there's this big quote from him where he says like santa's really the only cultural icon we have who's male does not carry a gun and is all about peace joy giving and caring for other people oh my like, god oh wow <laughs> <laughs> oh my god you're wow. right i mean it really is you know it, and you and you get into when you try to think of more when i try to think of more i get into almost like like joke territory where I sound like I'm kidding because uh, it sort of leaves like Christ and Superman. <laughs> yeah. um, it leaves, it leaves uh, and, and Superman still solves most of his problems uh, by punching. Um, it, it's definitely, yeah, it's definitely a sweet spot uh, in terms of the, the spirit that he embodies. That's amazing. Yeah. I thought that was like a really, incredible point um and it's it's weird because that character is so like ah there's because it's been revised and like changed and updated so many times it has now this weird layer of of commercialism but then we still have this imagery of like santa make hand and the elves like hand making toys and then there's like uh parody parody imagery of like oh actually the elves run this huge factory and then there's like stuff of like, Oh, and they have like labor disputes with Santa. Um, and so like, is he a capitalist? Is he like just the sort of like immortal, like <laughs> toy inventor? It's like, there's, 
there's a lot going on. It's uh yeah, it's, there's it's he's very very malleable, um, based on I think the era and uh the level of tongue in cheek of, you know, whatever whatever you're making. If you're making like uh elf and you have uh, Ed Asner with the rocket sleigh, um, like that would be a good sort of modern example of uh, doing a little bit of a tongue in cheek. Um, I don't feel as positively about uh, the Santa Claus, where Tim Allen is literally, oh, literally the father to a human boy, and uh, they watch uh, they watch Santa Claus die. Uh, yes. the, the child watches yes. Santa Claus die, and then they bicker over whose fault it was. And then Tim Allen goes through his pockets because I, I guess in the movie he doesn't believe that that's the real Santa Claus. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he's looking for identification, and then in doing so, he becomes he yeah becomes Santa Claus legally. God, that's a weird movie. Um, not as weird as the third one where he goes back in time with Martin Short playing Jack Frost, and Martin Short uh, actively participates in the death of Santa Claus. Oh Despite God. the fact that they've gone back in time and could theoretically save Santa Claus's life. I did um, not see it, Santa Claus 3. That is yeah. an upsetting revelation. I brought us revelation. a little off track. <laughs> no, those movies are really interesting take on this stuff because, yeah, not enough people talk about how uh, they watch Santa Claus die in that movie. Um, and then Tim Allen, of course, does become Santa because of the titular Santa Claus. It's kind of a curse in that film. Rather than just being one immortal guy, it's like a thing that gets passed on. It's like it follows, but you have to live at the North Pole. Yeah, they 100% got the title and worked backwards. Because that yeah. movie is yeah. oh, bonkers. Absolutely. 100% that was a, hey, did you ever think about how clause is also a legal thing? What is, um, why are you still talking to me about this? Go write it. Go, go, go. <laughs> go, go, go. Copyright, TM, TM. Um, okay, so there's a lot of, like, bizarre stories around Santa Claus. A lot of, like, weird cultural institutions. I don't know if you know this, but as a Canadian myself, you know, kids everywhere do the letter writing thing. Um, But in Canada, we have postal codes instead of zip codes. And those are six digits letter number. And so the they have a special postal code for Santa and it's H0H0H0. So ho ho ho. No way. Uh, Which is very good. And it's a legit possible postal code. Um, do you know about the NORAD story? Uh, no, I don't think so. I mean, I have some aware of their their sort of like the faux tracking of Santa. Um, yes, but yes. yeah, please reiterate this. Okay, this is the kind of thing that I would not believe if I had not read a Snopes article claim like saying that it was true. Um, but where that comes from is 1955, a Sears Roebuck store in Colorado gave children a number to call a Santa hotline, except they got the number wrong when they printed it. And that number went to the Continental Air Defense Command on Christmas Eve. And the director of operations there, a colonel, got the first call and said that, oh, yes, actually, we are tracking Santa Claus. He is heading south from the North Pole. So this bizarre tradition of NORAD tracking Santa started because Sears made a typo. And, like, this is 100% true. Um, oh my god it's, it's absolutely the kind of thing that would be in a chain letter but snopes says it is true so unreal to me it's such a, it's such a good example of how organic all of these are right. um uh, it, if that guy had not had a sense of humor 
then we wouldn't be doing this. But it's it's a it's a tradition I was a hundred percent aware of, and honestly, I I don't know how long they've been doing it. To me, it feels like forever. Um, the same way as a lot of the other stuff we talked about. The same way you know that Rudolph sort of feels like it's forever uh, when it turns out to be you know within like our grandparents' lifetimes. Yeah. So I gotta ask, um, you know, the whole impetus for the book started with, you know, if we have kids, here's what we're going to tell them. Um, if you do have kids, are you going to tell them what are you, are you going to tell them Santa Claus is, you know, this, this black gay man, or are you going to tell them that, you know, we are the ones who are buying you gifts? Because that is still like an ongoing controversy. Like, do do you tell this like sort of paternalistic lie to your kids that is maybe harmless? Um, or maybe it has some kind of consequences in terms of getting them to believe things that they shouldn't. Um, and I'm not really sure where I stand on that, but I'd be curious to hear your thoughts. Yeah, same. I mean, part of me really wants to uh, put my money where my mouth is because I think that would be the respectful thing to do. <laughs> um, but at the same time, uh, at the same time, I'll, I'll give away a little bit of the book. Um, there's there's not a there's not a ton of narrative to the book. The book is mm-hmm. really more of like kind of a, a mission statement about itself. And uh, one of the things that we uh, do in this in this really beautiful double page spread that uh, Ashley drew is to show that. Um, there are as many kinds of Santa Clauses as there are families who celebrate Christmas. So uh, she put together this great illustration of like uh, a, uh, it's obviously black Santa and his white husband imagining uh, in this big uh, thoughts balloon, uh, like a, a sassy female Santa and a alien Santa and an elephant Santa and a robot Santa. And I, I think there's, <laughs> Uh, there's like a tiny Santa in there who, you know, uh, feels like a, is probably a real tradition in Europe somewhere that he's more of like a Rumpelstiltskin like figure. <laughs> um, and then on the following page, uh, we have uh, different kinds of families uh, and we have uh, like a Japanese family celebrating uh, Christmas, uh, which is a really interesting phenomenon over there because it's, you know, filtered through uh, other other translations and mistranslations and they eat KFC and they buy this particular cake. Uh, and then we have uh, like a same sex couple uh, lighting a menorah, uh, but they have a Christmas tree behind them. And that's what we did at my house. Uh, we had uh, a menorah for my Jewish mom and we had a, a Christmas tree uh, for my dad who was raised celebrating Christmas. Um, and I don't think that's terribly odd. Um, I, don't, I don't think that's a really uncommon phenomenon. So uh, what I would probably do with my own children is um, uh, make sure that they knew that I had written this book. And, you know, because it's <laughs> something that their dad wrote, they probably wouldn't care. Uh, but it might be a nice introduction into that idea that we get to start these traditions as a family, which is sort of the whole point. Uh, I think that um, Christmas is still very much something that we, you know, we do for, for, for ourselves and our, our friends and loved ones, but, but, uh, our children are driving the whole thing and then, you know, passing down the traditions, uh, is, is sort of, uh, baked into it. Uh, so, um, that's a, that's a highfalutin way of saying we're going to play it by ear. Uh, I, I think we'll see, we'll see, uh, if we have an incredibly uh, skeptical child who's not buying it on day one, uh, then we then we whip out the book and we say like, well, there's all kinds of different Santa Clauses, uh, and here's here's a book that we wrote uh, about that. And I'd like to know I'd like to know what you think. Hmm. 
Well, maybe that's a good place to wrap. I think that's a really lovely sentiment. <laughs> I hope so. Our weird kid will probably, you know, make it be like a rabid possum or something. <laughs> rabid possum Santa Claus with like little baby possums yep. that are elves. Oh, it's good. Someone please draw that's that. That's the plan. Huh. Um, well, thank you so much for coming on and for chatting about the book. And if people do want to get the book, um, how can they do that? Uh, you can definitely, uh, order it from your local bookstore. Um, you can, uh, a lot of them might have it already. Uh, you can find it in the humor section of uh, most Barnes and Noble. Uh, and you can find it all the usual places, uh, like, uh, Amazon, uh, or, uh, Barnes and Noble online or IndieBound and, uh, you know, Kindle, Nook, all of that good stuff. Great. Thanks again so much. And um, yeah, I will talk to you later. Thank you for having me. Hey, Merry Christmas. Hey, Happy Hanukkah. Merry Christmas. Happy Holidays. All that God stuff. God bless us, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll roll out on the Muppet Christmas. Bye, kiddos. Dad Feelings is hosted by Merrick Kay and produced and edited by me, Nick Bravo. Dad Feelings is a part of Stay Me, the world's only podcast network. We're entirely listener-supported. If you enjoy the show, please consider becoming a patron of Say Me at dadfeelings.com support. Our theme music is Swell Content by Speedy Ortiz off their album Foil Deer. Thanks to Car Park Records and Sadie Dupuy for letting us use it. Please mention us on Twitter. We're at dadfeelings and at staymeanco. Or rate and review us in iTunes. We really appreciate it. Thanks for listening. Ho, ho, hey, kiddos. <laughs> Sorry, that was, we'll cut that. We'll cut that. Hey, kiddos. That was fantastic. <laughs> Thank you.